In this episode, I'm joined by Danny Matthews, Creative Director of Danny & Co, an award-winning brand consultancy and design studio, to talk about two sides of branding, creating a standout brand and leveraging it to attract targeted clients. I'm really looking forward to the conversation because getting to the heart of your core concept and leveraging all that you are as an expert practitioner and individual is something many professional service providers struggle with. It's going to be fun. This is not a rehearsal. This is the real thing. Real thing, yeah. Yeah, okay. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello and welcome everybody. Great to have you here because today I'm joined by Danny Matthews, Creative Director of Danny & Co, who's not only a dynamo in the creative business space, but also a super charming and lovely guy. Danny Matthews has been called a creative genius. From running a tattoo shop at 18 to digitizing mortgages, he has a natural ability to solve real business problems with creative design and branding. Through his trademark brand confidence process, he's helped launch some of the most exciting and innovative brands of tomorrow. Danny was chosen as one of Gloucestershire Live's 30 Under 30 and Business Insider's 42 Under 42, showcasing the most exciting entrepreneurs of 2020 and beyond. His visibility is tremendous. He's been featured in places like the Huffington Post, BBC, Financial Times and the FSB's First Voice, along with sharing a stage with Facebook and Google at regional and national events across the UK. So, wow, I've a little bit of celebrity shyness going on here. Danny, welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast. It's thrilling to have you on the show with us today. Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, going to be exciting. I like the topic in general, so this should be quite a uh, good, thoughtful conversation. Brilliant. I'm delighted to have you here. Um, now, Danny, before this interview, we chewed the cud on a few things about building a brand and the way to stake your claim on that thing that you want to be known for, which is always something that people go round and round on, um, and ways to share both your authority and passion in the digital space. So let's jump right in. What does creating a standout brand mean and why is it so important for businesses today? Most companies can't clearly say what it is they do or give us a really compelling reason about why we should do business with them. And I think that's come from, you know, if you think hundreds of years ago when we all lived in small villages all over the world and there was only one baker and one uh, garage and one grocer, uh, one person who handled the money and on and on and on. And we didn't really have much choice. And as time has gone on and these villages have grown and more uh, more people have entered them and competition has come around, it's become uh, even more difficult to differentiate why we would buy from one person over another. Um, and all branding really is, 
is discovering that thing that is unique about you and then amplifying it to the people who really you want to care the most or who would care the most. So we've been on this journey for a very long time of uh, really taking advantage of um, uh, our services or, or products and the fact that there is a, a little market that will, that will take uh, buy things from us. And then we've entered the digital world, which has just exponentially exploded the potential opportunity out there. But we're in that process. We've kind of lost where we fit because there's so many people doing the same thing. So it really is more important now to um, discover what is uniquely competitive about you and then to share it with the world. And, and you can do that in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, so true. Oh, my gosh. From from little villages and the, the bake was it the bake of the book to the candlestick maker? I think that's a great exactly. analogy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and it really is, you know, when people are venturing into the online space, it's getting the attention of people and keeping it, um, building contacts. It's a whole new ball game. And uh, I think that's why I wanted to talk about two sides of branding. One is creating the standout brand, um, as you've just described, uh, as to why we need to do that. Um, because obviously it's a you know a big point of it uh, of doing it at all this branding, but also how to leverage it to grow your business. And obviously you're on the Leverage Business Podcast, so we have to talk about about that side of it as well. Is you know once you've got that brand, what do you do with it? You know how can you best use it? Because I think that then goes into the territory of marketing. So first, the brand itself. Um, my experience, many professional service providers really struggle to pin it down, as you've said as well. Um, and they're always looking for that one core concept, aren't they, of, of what they can lean into. Um, and I, I know it took me a while for sure. Um, and it goes beyond what people think of as branding, perhaps, you know, in terms of logo, color schemes and that kind of thing, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's a daily occurrence for me these days for someone to ask uh, about logos, for example. Um, and the conversation very quickly moves to, problem solving and that's where it should go really so let's but let's kind of rewind a little bit try and figure out this brand thing so uh, it, it's great actually that you've identified that not many people can put it into this core concept most branding people can't do that so don't worry <laughs> if you're in that space a lot of branding experts have have to essentially create their own concept of branding that they communicate because uh, because everyone has this this kind of idea of what it is essentially all branding is is communication it's it's the communication about why people buy from us not what they buy or how they buy or the journey that they take on those things but why they buy from us and that can be created in so many different ways the way I define it is through uh, how you build confidence in you you as a leader your people and your teams and, and in your clients as well and your customers. So yeah. how can you build confidence in them? Uh, and the way that I see we do that is in uh, through the strategy. What do we actually want from our business? What do we want our business to do? What impact does it make? Uh, messaging. How do we communicate that message in a way that connects with the people we're targeting? Behaviors, which is how do, we, uh, how do we act that makes sure we're backing up what we're saying? It's the walk the talk kind of thing. And then we have identity, which is what you said, logos, colors, fonts. So even though the logo really, most of the time, is the first thing people see about your brand, 
it should be the last thing you do because there's so much that goes into communicating who you are through that visual identity. Yeah, I mean that's such good advice, and I like I like the sort of stepwise stepwise way that you've sort of talked us through that. Um, I think a lot of people they just start, as you said, start with the logo and they don't sort of think about what sits underneath it. And that's the head scratching piece that really needs to happen. And, and as you say, it's all about strategy at the end of the day. And we'll definitely be diving into some of that um, in a moment. And I mean, what's I think a lot of consulting type solo practitioners, they don't always feel they need a brand in the traditional sense of the world uh, and of the word. But I think it goes back to your, you know, butcher baker, candlestick maker kind of thing is like you don't want to be a commodity either when there's lots of people doing those things so they've perhaps drummed up a business name and a logo built a, a simple website but a lot of the time they're actually working through professional networks and associations so you as the individual become your brand so my question is this what from your viewpoint Danny what's different about the online environment say for consultants coaches and other practitioners who might ordinarily work face-to-face -to, -face to find and work with clients actually nothing um, the, there's nothing different from working in the real world to, I call it the real world. It's, you know, it's the same thing for me anyway. Uh, this is our world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you taste it. let's call it the face-to-face -face world <laughs> and then the online world. There, there's nothing really different about the brand at its core. What is different is how we communicate and how we behave. You know, the, we behave very differently when we buy something from a shop to when we visit a website to buy something. There's certain actions and different steps that we take to buy something. It's So the branding element is no different. You still wanna communicate the same thing to the, the, the right thing to the right people at the right time, if you like. Um, but the way that you do that slightly changes and you do have to, um, I guess we move into the realms of uh, marketing in, in this sense but you really have to understand where your people are and how you communicate what you need to at that time but essentially what really makes you your brand your brand and what makes you unique things like your story and your messages and the things that you say consistently um, and the people you say it to doesn't change it's, it's all the same um, we just need to be careful that we are uh, matching our behaviors with our messaging and what we're saying yeah i picked that up before when you said walk the talk because mm. um you know people always see you you know <laughs> you know it's big brother but it, it's like where whatever you're doing in whatever channels whatever conversations um you know you need to be consistent in your values i think is what's behind a lot of what you're saying and uh, yeah. i think many of us we we don't necessarily conceptualize our values they're just kind of there in the background and I think for me part of branding was very much about bringing those those values those that that why as you said earlier into the foreground so that it stands out as different to other people that do xyz where xyz is is fairly common in the industry mm. values is a funny thing because the, there's different aspects of values that, that I tend to talk about but the main thing is that we're very aspirational about values we we're very we like to pick the values that we we'd like other people to see we have maybe slightly rather than the ones that we actually have and it's and it's quite difficult to pinpoint those without knowing yourself very well 
Um, so, so what I try and encourage is that if you have particular values, you don't just have them as words in yeah. a document. Actually try to come up with phrases and things that you say in natural conversation that demonstrate them values. And people will pick up during conversations that you mean something by saying yeah. that. Um, I think that's really important. As we can go down this trap of picking words that should be it should be a given you know a yeah <laughs> that's very true value, number one core value is trust but everyone should trust you anyway you yeah yeah it's kind of good <laughs> and so a lot of the bodies that you might work for the professional bodies actually give you that credibility and trust anyway and that yeah. kind of does it for you so you want to try and dig a little bit deeper and find those values that you personally hold yeah, I get the difference between like a mission statement on a piece of paper and actually how the the values manifest themselves in your actual practice and in your communications. So, yeah, though, thanks for, for highlighting that. So important. And, and I think in a way it kind of leads into the second part of the question, which was around leveraging your brand. Um, it's such an important piece in how you market the business. How would you how would you look at the, the difference between leveraging your brand and marketing? I'm not sure if that's quite the right way to ask the question, but give me a way in. Yeah, so there, um, it, this is quite interesting because when you, think about, when you think about the people and the professions that talk about branding, there is a big crossover. You have HR that are all about people, process, uh, management, culture, uh, which brand fits nicely into there. Uh, we're slowly as a, as a brand and a design studio moving into the employer branding space. So that's very important. That's around people and processes. Uh, then you have brand, which is very core messaging goals, um, storytelling, mission, vision, values, all these things. And then you have the crossover with things like PR and marketing. And these are really reputation managers. These, the PR especially is a public-facing reputation management system, if you like. And then you have the marketing crossover, which is how you communicate what you have as a brand to the outside public world. Um, I guess that's how I differentiate them. But really, what we're, we're talking about brand marketing as a crossover, I guess. And to try and answer your question, how, how do you... Um, I guess, communicate your brand through marketing that way. Uh, really, it starts with story. It starts with your story, the story your clients and customers have. Um, and, and there's a really interesting distinction you have to make there. What is the story about why people work with you? And what is the story about, from the client's point of view, why they work with you? And they're two very different things. One, one is from the perspective of, this is why you should work with me. And the other one is from the perspective of, I have a problem that needs fixing and I need you to tell me that you're the person to fix it. Um, so yeah, there, there's different facets and elements of marketing when you're thinking about your brand. Oh the my gosh. I would say it stems from your story. Yeah, I love all of those distinctions. I mean, there's so much you just packed into that one answer. Um, and to some extent, it, it seems to depend on how big you are as a business, you know, whether you're a solo practitioner then that distinction is going to look different for you than if you're trying to build a corporate brand, you know, even as a small business. Um, so there seem to me, from what you're saying, that there's a sort of an internal and an external dynamic going on in how you communicate your brand. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I can use me as an example. As a business, Danny & Co have values that we show to our clients, things like audacity and confidence and being brave. Uh, and then there's values that we show internally, which is to help our team make decisions and act in certain ways and, and give certain messages. And those are things like uh, we have a concept in Danny & Co called radical responsibility, where everyone takes responsibility for their job and and it gives everyone this sense that they have complete control over the outcome of whatever they do as well as you know a couple of other things internally so they do have very different purposes in that in that respect and it's it's really good to distinguish the two and separate them completely do you spend a lot of your time with clients sort of helping them join the two up though as well exactly. yeah yeah find, find <laughs> yeah, the kind of <laughs> The channel between them, yeah, so that you're, yeah, you're not sort of... That's why the, I guess the strategy and the messaging element of branding is really important because you totally. do have to separate them and you have to you have to motivate two different sets of people to the same goal, if you like. So, yeah, it's, that's the part that tends to be most needed, I guess. That's, that's interesting because it, it brings me on to the next part I wanted to talk about with, around strategy because... Um, I'll be honest, when I first came across you, I thought, oh, he's one of those young, dynamic, creative types. And I thought, great, you know, that's a side. Are you saying I'm not? <laughs> I don't do. No, I'm saying you are, but but I'm saying you're much more than that because we, as we got talking about these kind of things and we dug into the detail, then the nature of branding, how you've just described about some of those nuances, really, um, there's a lot of commonality with what I do in terms of helping people think about their strategy in terms of you know, values, vision through to practicalities of what it looks like and how do you build it on the ground. So it's all about having insightful conversations. And I remember that came up in our previous discussion uh, quite strongly about understanding the business before you can apply your genius creative uh, aspects to it as well. So, I mean, what I what I know about you in our discussion, you, you've got a natural ability to ask really good questions. And again, I think that's the the role of a consultant in many ways as well. So the, the conversation with business owners becomes about solving real business problems with digital solutions. And from that vantage point, you find the right way to apply your passion. I think this is out of your bio as well, to creative design that the business needs. Mm -hmm. So you don't start with the creative, I guess is what I'm saying. You start with the, the business, with the strategy. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, that's, that's a, and a really good way of describing it is that we, we are, we do design for brands that are, that are strategy led. It's, it's essentially strategy led design. Yeah. yeah. Um, because whenever we have a conversation with anyone, it starts with what they think they want. And then we immediately shift the conversation to what is the actual problem that we need to solve here. Quite rightly so. Yeah, quite rightly so. Because that's how you best serve them as well. Mm. So that when you get the final output, it is a reflection of, of the business and of those values and, and, and everything that they yeah, stand and, for. And you're absolutely right in that, you know, this is a big part really of what you do in your work. Because it's, uh, I very often get confused with uh, coach, consultant kind of titles, because uh, when I'm talking to businesses and business owners and people about brand strategy, let's call it, the questions are very similar to what they would get with a business coach or with a consultant or a business consultant. They get the, the very same experience early on. 
which is where that confusion comes from. And then, and then it very quickly shifts to how do we apply this to design and yeah. messaging and branding? Yeah, so it's a well, really- I can, <laughs> I can tell you as a consultant and coach and mentor, these labels are, are helpful <laughs> and unhelpful at the same time. And I did, a, I did an episode on this not so long ago on professional identity. And, you know, it, it, it can really have people found up in a real tangles. I mean, with that in mind, let's, get to some of the practicalities as well I mean how do you advise a small business to go about creating a brand and second what are some of the best ways in today's marketplace to communicate that brand so first of all a really important thing to remember is that you don't create your brand other people create your brand and what I mean by that is not necessarily in the visual elements but essentially your branding is your brand is really what others think of you not what you think of you So immediately I'd start to talk more with your clients and and your customers. They will give you so many answers to so many questions you have in a very short space of time. A common exercise I have all of my my clients do whenever we're figuring out who the target market is and, and those kinds of things. Whenever they get stuck, I just ask them to pick their best or favorite client or most profitable client or whatever the goal may be. Phone them. Phone them and ask them about their life. And some people think that's really strange to do that. (laughs) But when you pick up the phone to someone and you say, you are my favorite client and (laughs) you've, you have, uh, without you knowing, I've made so many decisions based on us working together. Do you mind if I find out more? Because I'm now on the journey of finding more people like you. What a wonderful thing for a client to hear. Oh, yeah. And people love to talk about themselves, of course. So I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a great way to do it. It so, is yeah, a really great way to do understand it. That, <laughs> yeah. The first thing is to understand that they create your brand, not you. So they're a really yeah. important asset in that process. Oh, thanks for that. That's that's really intriguing. And I mean, when I'm working with clients, we're all about using what you've got to best advantage, but sort of looking at it from the other side and looking at it from the ideal client for you I think is pretty genius actually I mean because really we we, we're all about thought leadership and repurposing content and social media and what other assets and skills you have but what about your clients you know what what do they bring to the table that actually make you who you are so yeah absolutely love that I mean Danny you've had an intriguing journey to get where you are now right (laughs) so (laughs) I mentioned a few things in introducing you and we talked about it as well give us the potted history Do, do you see a pattern as well my pattern is uh, I wanted to be a designer at school and uh, there was never the encouragement for me to do that. And what happened was I got into this uh, ingrained process that society gives us of going to get a job. And I got a job in financial services and it led me to a, a really great, successful career in financial services. I ran my own insurance and mortgage broker for a number of years, um, but it did leave me pretty broken by the end of it. And you know, it's, I spent a lot of time chasing money and left behind a lot of what I love to do uh, in the process, uh, which was design, which was uh, creating things. Uh, And it was only really when I was being dragged off the floor by strangers um, from losing feeling from the waist down, I really realised that I'd missed a huge opportunity to um, really do what I wanted to do and, and be fulfilled and, and happy. So through that process, I decided to, that I was going to go back to my roots and, and I set up Danny & Co. So yeah, I've, I've had a bit of a run. I owned a tattoo studio for a short period of time. 
uh, which was an interesting uh, <laughs> time in itself. Um, and uh, yeah, went through the financial services business and, and that really ended through me discovering my way out, which was to digitize mortgages. I really, wanted, I, I found this problem that I needed to solve. I, I got into the mortgage sector and immediately thought, this is broken. How, how can we travel to see these people spend so much time filling in paperwork without even knowing if we're gonna get paid? after like 15 hours of work. Uh, it just seemed bizarre to me. So I went on a bit of a mission to uh, digitize that process, which was successful, but also led me down the path of really doing what I wanted to do. So that's, uh, that's where I am now. No, that's so. brilliant. As you said, you're a problem solver. So you know, that's a great example. You solved yeah. the problem for yourself. And I mean, really you've achieved this lifelong dream of building a business around design and, and you now help businesses find their unique competitive advantage like you've done for yourself. So always a great story behind these things, isn't that? <laughs> and I think that gets picked up. A lot of these things get picked up in your podcast, which I've had a listen to. The answer is brand, which I'm loving. Um, it's really sort of short, sharp, and it's it's very much based on people's questions, isn't it? Tell, tell us a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, that, that was a really interesting thing. So we're very early in the process of the podcast, but it's uh, it came about from me realizing that whenever I was in a conversation with someone and they had a problem, there were so many solutions to the problem, but they were all very face value, all very, um, uh, very far away from what the core of the problem was. Yeah. Um, and when I really dug deep into all of the questions, my answer was always brand. And what was interesting going through the process of thinking, do I do this podcast or not, is that I realized, uh, I, I did question whether it was just my bias, which was saying, is the answer really brand or is it something else? Okay. And that's, I think that's where I came to the realization that there is this crossover between coaching, consulting, HR, PR, you know, all of these different elements. And actually the answer is always brand. We just, we just don't know it. And um, to give you a, a bit of an example or, or some understanding around that concept, whenever someone's questioning, you know, how to get more clients or better clients, for example, Usually the answer is, around, is to do with marketing. It's to do with let's pay for more ads or let's target a different market with you know, Facebook ads or Google or whatever it might be. Let's write more blogs, but no one gets to write more blogs or target a, an audience unless you really know the story and the message and uh, what you're trying to get across, which is all part of your brand. It's so, making yeah, it effective, isn't it? Exactly. So it's all around the podcast actually was how can I show people that the solution to their problem isn't what they think it is? Yeah. Um, but how do we do that in a way that is bite sized, searchable, you know, that people can just get the get the nugget they need quickly. And uh, that kind of formulated the, the podcast, a very short, snappy format that it is. Yeah. I mean, because even if the question that's being asked isn't your question, it's still that, aha, I need to yeah. dig deeper. And that's the coaching part. That's the bit where working with a coach can really help. It's mm -hmm. um, reframing the question is a, a term we use a lot is sometimes yeah. it's not the question, it's what's underneath the question. You know, why is the question being asked? What's the problem behind the problem? Which sounds yeah. very wacky, but 
it's so true it's like you know people think they need some new shiny tool because they think a tactic is the answer but actually sometimes it is going back to the foundations as to why things aren't working for you one of the amazing things about design is because a lot of design is not visual it's not about how it looks it's about how it works a lot of people in user experience design and interface design you know the apps you use on your phone and the websites you use these haven't just been created as websites and apps there have been people that have sat down and understood your behavior when it comes to using these things and a really good concept in, and the way that they get there is a concept in software development or user experience design called the five whys which people might have heard of where you find a problem and you question it until you get to the real problem because usually we don't understand it straight off we need to really dig deep and it's the same as when you know we're designing a logo for example the first logo concepts that people ever come up with are all the cliches are all like the symbols that we expect and it's when you push beyond those you start to get the really unique uh interesting logo designs and symbols are really thought through things because they've been through a process of getting rid of the the stuff we expect and all the cliches yeah it's yeah a similar process to the five wires. and the real yeah that's when the real emotion then sort of rises to the surface isn't it when you start exactly. sort of asking people why 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 um i wrote an article way way back now on a, a laddering technique which i learned um from Sharon Livingston, actually. And uh, it's just brilliant. It's just like, it's that coaching style again. It's like drilling down and then further down and getting to the, the real emotional triggers at the end of the day. So yeah, I love that. I love that you do that too. And yeah, the design is not just what it looks like. It's it's how you got to it as well. That's, that, that counts. No, lovely. Let me quiz you now, Danny, if I may, about how you're personally building a leverage business for Danny and Co. You've touched a little bit on, on culture um, and the sort of values that sit behind you building the team. Um, and it's, a, it's tougher now to meet people in person. Or, so I think that's a little bit behind my question of, uh, you know, we used to kind of network a lot to build, uh, to build your brand, to build uh, awareness of you as a business. So what, what are you doing at the moment now with Danny and Co to build brand confidence? And we'll talk about that in a moment to leverage your brand, position yourself in the new digital world of business? The creative space is really interesting because a lot of us have, um, in a previous life or even currently, worked as freelancers. We've worked as uh, alongside other businesses. We've been uh, integrated into their teams for short periods of time, uh, you know, in certain respects. Uh, and we've worked remotely for, for what is the best part of, uh, a few decades now um so it was really interesting this switch from uh face to face to digital didn't really happen for us it was already there so we were already attending online events and we were already having zoom calls and all those kinds of things getting out of the office as such and and going to a face to face networking event or a breakfast meeting or a conference was a day out it was a treat <laughs> so, so actually you know and and for the most part a lot of it was done for the social reasons more than anything yeah so I think we learned very early on that the relationships are really built in a social atmosphere and actually just having these conversations on zoom or 
doing podcast interviews and those things are a really good way to not only dis discover other people and businesses and how other people are uh, working, but also you find out a lot about yourself through conversations. Um, so to, uh, I guess to answer your question, the moving to the digital was really easy for us. And um, the only thing that we really had to think about was how we communicate and behave on, on these platforms to not try and replicate real life uh, as such, but to give a, a similar or <laughs> at the very least a pleasant experience, <laughs> um, which I think we've all kind of found out that it can sometimes be a little bit draining and a little bit uh, laborious. Uh, yeah, that's of Zoom fatigue. We talked about that yeah. early on, on on an interview I did with Andy Laparta back in episode three, which was brilliant. Um, but I mean, the, the quality, we're speaking on Zoom now and, you know, the quality, you could just be literally sitting across my coffee table here having a conversation I can't shake your hand though and I think a lot of people are very used to that kind of you know handshake as being the way to seal the deal and mm. those kind of things so I, I think most of us are still craving that face-to-face -face social yeah. space as well but particularly after the pandemic so mm. um, maybe there will be a bit more of a blend and definitely people have been forced into digital transformation if you like earlier than perhaps they would have embraced it before and I think it's all very good so there might be some kind of slipping back uh, into more face-to-face -face interactions because as uh, Laura McDowell said on the podcast a couple of weeks a few weeks ago we all crave connection we've been missing it so much and I don't think Zoom is really satisfying our our human need for that um, but yeah. at the same time yeah communication business connection can still happen we're, we're really trying to find this balance, aren't we? Of, Definitely. Of, can we find meaningful events to see people? And can we make the use of efficient technology? That's what we're really trying to do. We're, we're trying to... So I think what we'll see is that everyone's craving this face-to-face -face interaction. So we'll go to the events, but I think very quickly we'll realise what are the events that were worth going to and weren't worth going to? Because even I've been to events for before where I've only been because it seemed like it was going to be okay. Yeah, so for example, big investment for little gain. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was like, hang on a bit, I'm going to two or three hours. I'm going to spend three, four hours at this event and possibly not get anything from it, but yeah. it would be great to see the, you know, the people that I do know there that have stands or whatever it is. I think we'll very quickly realise that actually that could have been a Zoom and I could have had a more meaningful meeting, conference, event. Uh, so I get the feeling that we're going to shift to intimate events plus online. That's possibly the way we're going. And I think that would be a safe assumption to make that, you know, if we, if we crave that connection, we can get that in intimate uh, circumstances and meaningful circumstances make use of that time and that uh, the technology that we have i i totally agree and i mean at the end of the day it, it it has to be purposeful um but at the same time that purpose can be business related it also can be just your emotional and social satisfying you satisfying yeah. your emotional and social needs so uh, i totally hear you on yeah. that um What's what's your best advice for someone who's starting out in a business or if they're shifting their brand identity? I mean, it sounds to me that 
there's a process for thinking about, you know, who you are, who you serve, those kind of things, and thinking about your best channels of communication. And it's not one jump. But how how would someone start thinking about how they can leverage their brand or, or refine it, clarify it? What where would they start on a practical level? So if you if you think about when you first started your business, you were you were probably went and got a few clients and they were probably a similar profile if you like of of client they were either a specific size or industry or whatever they were and that was really easy for us to do because we were a new business we could just say this is what we do and people buy from us as we grow we take on more clients we take on more different types of clients and we we almost muddy the waters in some respects. Great. And we yeah. don't realise that over the time, uh, over a long space of time, it, it confuses us. And when we're confused, our message is confused and people don't buy if they're confused. Um, so when you're considering uh, branding or rebranding or, or maybe change, shifting identity or shifting your messaging in some way, First, ask yourself, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? And when you get down to what that is, you can do the five wise thing that we said, you know, whatever the problem is. When you find out what that is, only focus on that problem and just try and simplify everything. If you, because if you remember when you were first started the business, it became successful because you were focused. So anything that can narrow your focus is going to help you. So if you, for a short period of time, because this is a thing that people um, usually get stuck with, knowing that your brand is a living thing and it can change every day if you want it to, um, not recommended because you'll confuse people, but you know you could if you wanted. Yeah. But it should, you should tweak it along the time. Um, so once you kind of figure that out, what, who you're targeting, the the problem that you're trying to solve only focus on that and you'll find yourself back in the beginning days of getting clients fairly easily and quickly because you were only communicating about one thing it's such an important concept to get and it is one as you say that sometimes you go round and round with people because as a consultant in the early days when you're building your business you're often uh just doing anything you just say yes to anything because you want the money you know you're starting up you're trying to replace quite often a, a high-end salary in the profession that you that we, you were used to achieving, you know, you're a high achiever. And so, as you say, it muddies the water and it dilutes people. And also consultants generally think it's a good thing to be a generalist. And I've been in that boat as well. And marketers will tell them, you've got to specialize, you've got to specialize. And I think there's a difference between positioning and messaging in that you can change and pivot what you offer but your positioning and your professional identity, if you like, your brand, doesn't change as much. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree with you um, and also add that we've been led to believe by marketing that we have to choose a niche and to focus on a specific area, but in, which is, by the way, is great advice if your problem is that you are struggling to find uh, customers in a specific area, for example. Great advice. I think it has muddied the waters in terms of realising that the niche can be the problem you solve, which means that nothing else changes apart from what you say. 
and how you communicate, how you fix the problem, that's it. Everything else stays the same. So, yeah, I, I think um, we have been led to believe this thing. And in the same respect, I think it can be a generalist. But as long as you're very clear on... Um, so I think there's probably two sides. If you're general, you've probably got to be pretty focused on who it is you're targeting. If you're a specialist, you're probably better off being a little bit more open with industry, for example. But really, uh, my my opinion on this is if your messaging and positioning is to solve a, pro a, a problem, preferably an urgent problem, then you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's that clarity, I think. And I mean, that brings us beautifully onto my next question, because I'm dying to talk to you about your discovery process. And uh, a while back, you were talking with me about the quiz that you use on your main website. And it's definitely something that I've used in the past as well, different tool. But um, people then can enter your world by doing a little diagnostic, a little bit of digging, like we've talked about before. And yours is called the brand confidence score. So that, you know, just fits nicely with what we've been talking about. If you chop and change what you what you do and who you do it for and what you offer, then you lose that confidence in what you stand for, which is, you know, stand out. Your standout brand then doesn't stand out. People don't know what you're about. So um, I think that's something that, as you said, something that business owners can use to find their competitive advantage. So tell me how, I'll put a link in the show notes to that quiz, but tell me in your words, what's it all about? What do people get by the, going through that quiz? So the, the scorecards are a great way for anyone of any business of any size to benchmark themselves uh, and their brand against the different areas that we've been talking about, about branding. So strategy, messaging, behaviors, and identity. And if you think about those four areas, uh, the questions that you'll ask, there's only about 30 to 35 of them, depending on answers. Um, and it will take you less than five minutes. They're yes, no answers. And some, some of the questions people would think, why on earth are you asking me that question? Because it doesn't <laughs> seem like it means much, but actually it gives us a really important data point on where you might be struggling or where uh, you, we may be able to improve your brand in some way in, in one of those four areas. So by the end of it, you, you get a scorecard, which tells you, uh, which gives you the benchmark and scores you on those four different areas and where you possibly could improve. It's been the single thing which has um, uh, improved the growth of the business here as a marketing tool, and not just because it's a fun quiz that they were going to do, but because it gives genuine insight into things you could improve. And it gives us as a business a lot of data uh, into businesses of all shapes and sizes and industries and uh, trends on what where the gaps in industries might be when it comes to those different areas of branding so it's a it's a really important tool and uh, and it certainly helps it, it gives you a starting point really is the main thing yeah and, and again i think it it harks back to you getting more understanding on the problem that you solve you know from the from the audience from the target market themselves yeah. rather than you know what, what you think they so, I mean, I really like how that works for you as a business. I think it's definitely something that a lot of consulting professionals, coaching professionals can use in much the same way to really 
to have a dialogue through a quiz in a way, isn't it, is to get data from on both sides. So they get something and you get something and it feels like a, a really good start to the relationship. So I, I, I really like that. Um, are you noticing a shift in what clients bring to the table when they approach you for help with brand confidence? I've noticed an increase in um, a specific type of problem and uh, and we know now just by looking at the data we have that it's due to the pandemic obviously you know yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'd be anything else but um, what's really interesting is when we look at what has changed over the last year um, it's nothing has really changed in terms of what we need to offer it's how we offer it so uh, what I believe is that when, when big black swan events happen, like a pandemic, it doesn't necessarily change anything about our businesses, but it does change people's perceptions of certain products and services. I did hear somewhere that, um, that a huge percentage of people, when the pandemic uh, uh, first came and we went into lockdown, put a lot of their belongings up for sale. And the majority of those belongings were designer goods. And I found that very interesting because all of a sudden our behaviours, our buying behaviours and how we buy things and where we buy them from completely shifted. So a lot of designer brands actually dipped in profit, even though they expected not to. Um, so I found that really interesting. So what we've noticed from the data is that, number one, People, the way that people buy has completely changed. The majority of people just don't buy like they did before, and they don't buy why they did before. They're looking for more reason, more purpose, more, more effect of their purchase behavior. They want to see that when they spend money with a company, someone else benefits that isn't the company and isn't the person buying which is a really interesting interesting point. yeah and that allows you to change your business model to attract more of those people if if they're the people coming to you um so that's one thing and the other thing is the messaging that we use to attract those people you'll see a lot of companies now that are no longer talking about how expensive their things are and how luxurious their things are instead they're talking about how rare they are and how exclusive or one-off they are mm. so the messaging has shifted slightly as well so they're the main things and I think they will continue to change how we buy I think that's, that's so interesting to sort of see it from a data point of view as well not just kind of the feeling that we get but actually to have yeah, that exactly. backed up with with data as you said um, hence my question I think I think a lot of people I talked about craving connection. That was an expression that's used. And a lot of people are rethinking their life. Another person on my show said it that way. And you talk on your website about life on purpose. And I think that's a lot to do with what people are sort of sensing is that they've, they've shifted what's important to them yeah. in life. Um, so, I mean, to me, that's the drive behind entrepreneurship, in fact, um, and why we you know, seek leverage is to have more time, more freedom to do some of the things outside of work so that we feel fulfilled both in our professional life, but also in our personal life. And what does life on purpose mean to you personally? Me personally, you know, I've already 
kind of shed light on on my story and how I got where I am today. And I was having a conversation with someone before, and and they they were saying, and this is a little bit self self indulgent now, but um, but they made a comment that I always seemed like I have it together. You do, and I found that really really quite nice actually for someone to say that about me and and it was the first time they that I realized actually I'm I'm good uh I don't there's not a lot now that can happen to increase my level of happiness and I found that really interesting to the point where she then asked so uh, I can't help but think to ask you what now you know, if you have, if you have the thing, you know, you are content, you're happy with, with life, what now? And no one has ever, no one's ever asked that question to me, and I've never heard it asked to anyone else. (laughs) It it almost triggered this questioning of myself to think, is this it? And then I realized, no, it's not. My, my focus just shifts from putting my mask on first, to now I can help everyone else put their mask on from yeah. the aeroplane <laughs> analogy, if you like. And uh, that's when I realized, actually, I can now live through my work and through m- my life to serve others. And I don't think a lot of people can do that. No. Uh, yeah. From the people that I meet on a day-to-day basis, it's really, I don't hear of that very much. So I'm, I'm very... I know that seems very self-indulgently saying that. No, not at all. It it really doesn't. To to be where I am. And I love how you've expressed that. And in a way, that's the Holy Grail, isn't it? That's what we're trying to get to. And to some extent, you know, we we need a taking stock. We need to hit our goal and and take stock and then set a new goal. And I see so many people that all they do is work. You know, they're just always looking for the goal. They're they're not enjoying the process. They're not enjoying the journey. And I think for me, that's what work-life balance you know, that's what we're seeking through our, our business, uh, not only from the income we get from it, but the fulfillment we get from it um, as well. So I, I always ask a punch question of my guests. So here, here it is. Um, if you had a superpower, Danny, that you could use to create leverage in your business, what would you choose? Do you know, until you said to create leverage in your business, I would have said fly, just because I imagine <laughs> the life of a bird is incredible. Um, <laughs> but when, when it comes to... Um, uh, I tell you one thing that I would love to have is this genius process-driven mind. Um, I, I've, as we all do in, in a leveraged business, I really value automation mm. uh, to not just to get rid of the admin tasks, but also to create real experiences for, for clients and for people, even for staff. Um, but one of the things I don't do well with is sitting down for a long period of time and mapping out automations and things. Wow. I wish I could do it for a long period of time, but I just can't. So actually, if anyone listening to this is a, uh, <laughs> an active campaign guru, I'm open. I'm open for business. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. No, definitely. I, I'm a planner. I'm a workflow girl. So uh, because I think it just um, eases everything, makes everything clear. Um, so then you can fly. So <laughs> maybe you get busy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, we, we're, we're, we've got our, up to our time today um, and I'm going to share the best places that people can go and check you out and get in contact in the show notes. So there'll be all the links in there. And uh, is there any parting wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? 
I think purpose for a lot of people will come in time. Um, but if you're struggling to find a big enough vision to go and try and hit, because it has to be big, um, go and look at the United Nations Global Sustainability Goals, because that will give you a really solid foundation to link to your story. Um, and what I mean by that is if you came from a bad background or suffered from maybe homelessness or hunger, choose the UN sustainability goal that closely matches your story and you'll find your place. Uh, don't worry about that. And oh. it will be the most powerful thing that you do. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you again. Thanks for joining me and sharing some really helpful insights with us. It's Danny Matthews, everyone. Thanks, Danny. I'm sure everyone got so much out of this and Thanks, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.